remain standing. I'll remain standing. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs. You know where Psalms is. That should be the middle of your Bible. That should be the middle of your Bible. Once you find Psalm, right after the 150th Psalm, you'll find Proverbs there. Once you find Proverbs, locate chapter number 23. Chapter number 23. <clears throat> Thank you for being with us this morning. Appreciate that very, very much. I think everybody ought to be in church when church is open. Um, it's not happening, but that's what I would like. That's what the Lord would like, I believe. Proverbs chapter 23. Drop down to verse number 17 and we'll start our reading right there. I will read out loud. You read along with me silently, but we will read together. I need someone. Sir, do you have a Bible? I need one of our fellas uh, to go. Dave, Chris, would you go over there or have him come over there? If you don't mind doing that. <clears throat> I want you to see what's being said this morning, uh, all of our folks. Okay, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Proverbs chapter 23, starting in verse number 17. I will read out loud. You read along with me silently, but we will read this together. Starting in verse 17, chapter 23. Let not thine heart envy sinners but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and the expectation shall not be cut off. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall, be, shall come to poverty. Drowsiness shall clothe a man in rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy in him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad. And she that bear thee rejoice. Verse 26. My son, give me thine heart. Let not thine eyes, I'm sorry, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Our text verse would be verse number 23. Read that again. Buy the truth, sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Let's make our prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for the Bible. I ask you to please help us this morning. Uh, dear Lord, may we get a hold of this very, very simple truth, but it is a truth, so it's worth paying attention to and worth getting a hold of. I ask you to bless the dear people this morning, not for my sake, but for yours. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us, and he should mean more to us more and more all the time as we learn of him. Thank you for the folks that are here this morning. Watch over those in the other buildings and the uh, ministries that are going on there. May you be with them also. May it all bring you glory and honor. We'll thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. You may This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon 
one thing I know, my Savior pardoned me, and now I onward go. I know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand, well, they're shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And I can't feel at home in this world, in this world, in this world. didn't you sing? Why didn't you sing? You could have sung. Right? Oh, you could have sung along with us. You could have done that. Proverbs chapter 23. Glad to have you with us this morning. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that a great deal. Proverbs chapter number 23. Notice in verse number 23 what it says, buy the truth. That doesn't mean money. That means pay for it. Pay for it. Pay for the truth. Once you pay for it, once you get it, don't you dare sell it. Don't you dare trade it. Don't you dare give it away. And also along that trip, you may want to also buy and not let go wisdom and instruction and understanding. Whatever it costs you to buy the truth, to get the truth, to find the truth, whatever it costs you to do that, pay for it. It'll be worth it. That's what you want to do. And once you do that, don't you ever get rid of it. Now, today, people, the Bible talks about avoid those that are given to change. People are changing all the time, and they're rewriting truth. Look at your public schools. Look at our Congress. Look at our nation. We're rewriting everything. But God says when you get a hold of the truth, when you get a hold of knowledge, when you get a hold of understanding, don't ever sell it. Buy it no matter what it may cost you, and don't you trade it, don't you give it away, don't you sell it for anything at all. Shifting gears. August 1970, I found myself in Vietnam. 19 says a long time ago before most of you were born. When we were there, when you first enter into country, they tell you all these horrible stories. 
absolutely horrible stories. Things like they will live in holes and caves in the ground for a year or more if they have to, to get to you. They told us these stories when we went over there. They would tell you stories like they will blend into the surrounding jungle and area and they will do it so well you can walk right by them until finally what they're going to do, you'll never know until. And they would tell us these stories. And they would tell us stories that go along with that statement. And we would listen. When we first went into country, this is what they would tell us. They'd tell us all these horrible stories. They would inch by inch. They'll tell us these stories. When you're, when you're in a camp in Vietnam, uh, you surround it with, uh, they call it, uh, Razor wire, concertina wire, that kind of stuff. And in there, you'd hang sea uh, ration cans. I don't even think they use those anymore. But they would use cans, and they would tie it to the wire so the least little bit of movement would make noise. You'd have trip flares out there. You'd have all kinds of uh, uh, detection devices out there, Bangalore torpedoes. You'd have Claymore mines. You'd have all these things that could trip somebody and notify you that they were out there. But they would tell you that Charlie, which is the nickname they gave to the enemy, with others, but we use Charlie. Charlie would actually inch by inch in the mud all night long to get by these detections and get through that wire to get to you. They would tell us these stories. You first go in there and they'd tell you all these stories and everybody would relate to you some incident or some, something that happened to them. And then you get to thinking after a while, right, I, I get it. Let's scare the new guys, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got here. You're going to tell us all the war stories. You're going to tell us all the things that could happen to us. Okay, we're new. We may not know all this, but come on. See, we actually thought it was just stories they were telling. We come to find out it was more than a story. It was more than a story. There was a lot of reality that came along with that. Earlier that year, we're going to go backward a little bit, February 1970. I was in jump school, paratrooper. That's what I was. Can you tell? I was a paratrooper. Jump school, what they do, they teach you there, along with a lot of other things, how to jump out of a plane or a helicopter with a parachute, and that's what they would teach you. And uh, listen, listen. And what they would teach you is while they're taking you through this, they would teach you how to fall and roll, okay, so that you, you're still going to hurt yourself, but less. And they would teach you how to do that. And they would start on the ground just teaching you how to fall. And then they would take you up to a three-foot platform and let you jump off of that and teach you how to fall. And then they would take you from there to what they called a 34-foot tower, and they would actually hook you up to a yoke, and they would have you jump off of there and hold, and it would jerk, bang, like that, and then you go all the way down, get off, and you did that for a week. And then they'd take you from there to a 250-foot tower, and they would hook you up, and they would take you up with a parachute 250 feet in the air, and then it would just click, and you would float to the ground, and they wanted to see if you could uh, land the way you were supposed to. Now, after that, uh, it's time to jump out of a C-130. After that, you jump out of a helicopter. After that, you'd get at a 119, and you'd jump out of these planes. Now, while they were doing this, and they're training you all about this, they're telling you terrible stories, terrible stories. They would tell you stories how that static lines, uh, now that would be the line that when you get up in the aircraft and you hook up, okay, they had this long uh, metal cord running down through the 
both sides of the plane, and you would hook up like this. And uh, that would be your static line, and you'd hook up like that, and you'd shuffle to the door, and when they start moving, you couldn't help but move. Everybody's pushing everybody. And out the doors you go, all right? But they would tell you these stories how sometimes a static line won't let go. And they would take a body and keep banging it up against the aircraft until the, till, till the spotter there in the window, he had in the door, had to actually cut it. But then when you do that, nothing's pulling your chute out. And so they said, and they're telling us these stories. They're telling us these stories about having, having a, a Roman candle. Now, just having the word Roman in there makes me kind of leery, but having a Roman candle. Now, what that was was your chute would open up, but all the lines in the chute itself would be wrapped like this like a candle, and it was just all wrapped together. Needless to say, nothing slowing you down. And so they would tell you about that and how people would get these severe head injuries and break bones and hit the ground, and, and they, they just every time you turn around, they're threatening you, they're telling you these stories, and then they would tell you things like how people would be crippled and some would die because their chute would not open up at all. So you had a main chute in the back that when you jump out, in, 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 it's not free-falling, it would automatically pull your chute out. And just a few seconds later, you're hitting the ground at pretty tremendous pace. Now, if that did not open up, you do 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, you look up. If that chute's not open, you pull that reserve right here, and then you don't go down this way. Okay? And so while you're going down, and they'll tell you all of these stories how sometimes neither one of them opens up. Yeah, and I've seen guys laying splattered on the ground. And they tell you all these horror stories, and you think to yourself, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, if it's that dangerous, they're not going to let people do this. I thought it was just to scare me. Come to find out, it was more than just a story. There was a lot of truth behind that. You have to understand something. It seems to me that sometimes what we do, the more we experience something, the more we hear something, the more familiar we become with something, no matter how real it is, eventually it just seems to become a story. Just... Yeah, 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 I got it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard that story. I, I, I've heard about that. Over and over again, the more it seems to be told, the less impact it seems to have on our life. Example, when I was at home and my mom was there, my dad was already gone, um, my mom would tell me as a teenager, she'd tell me all the things that are going to happen to me as I grew up in this world. And she would tell me all of these stories. And I, I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. And you, here's what you think. Just because it happened to you doesn't mean it's going to happen to me. Right? We just kind of write it off at all of that. And she would tell me, uh, you just listen to me. Now, my mom worked. I mean, she worked a lot. Most of her life, she worked two jobs after my dad was gone. And uh, so she was on her feet constantly. Her health was bad and, and just all the time working. And uh, she would tell me, now, look, when you grow up, you're going to have to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And nobody's going to really appreciate what you're doing. That's one of the stories that she would tell me. My mom would tell me things like, you can try to be honest and do things that are right, but nobody's really going to appreciate it, and they really don't seem to care. And I would listen to these stories, and I thought to myself, huh, is that right? Now, here I am, just a teenager, wondering why she's telling me all of this. She would tell me about bills. That's not the guy down the street. Bills. Hey, girls, look up here. Your hair looks beautiful. Just leave it alone. Look at me right now. She would tell me about bills and responsibilities. She would tell me about pressures of life and problems you're going to have to face as you get older. Everybody does. The world's not really fair. Uh, your body breaking down. Somebody else always telling you what you need to do and what you can do. And I thought about all this, and I thought she was just trying to scare me. 
so that I would behave. You better behave and start listening to me because, and they tell you these scary stories. And I would listen to my mom or I got to the place where I just thought she went through some tough times and what's that got to do with me? You know how you do. Come to find out, now that I am older, it was more than just a story. There's a lot of truth in these things that we talk about. It just seems, though, the more we hear a story, now just think about something. The more we hear something, let's call it a story, the more instruction that is given to us about that, the more we're warned about something, the more moms and dads and preachers begin to tell us and our teachers and people who really love us start telling us and warning us about things, even if it's stories about God. Pretty soon, it's just that. It's just a story. I remember one day, I, I relayed this to you one time before, I was out knocking doors on the other side of town, uh, back in another church a long, long time ago. And the front door was open. I mean, it had a screen in there. And I could hear somebody saying, come around back. But not you couldn't hardly understand what he was saying. And I said, uh, from the church, come on around back. So I went around back, and the man was sitting in his backyard by himself in a chair. Hello, come on. Yeah, come on. Very nice man. Very, very nice man. Come to find out he had escaped from Russia. He was a Jewish Russian, somebody from Russia, and escaped to America. And he said, come on in. Sit down. Sit down. How are you? Very, very nice man. And we began to talk, and I started telling him about Jesus and about the story and, and how it came about. And, what, and while I'm telling that, he begins to grin. And I thought that was a little unusual. And I continued to talk, and then he'd just shake his head and smile. Very very respectful, very nice. He wasn't making fun. And I said, are you okay? Is there something wrong? He said, um, he pointed my Bible, uh, stories. I said, it's God's word. He goes, no, no, stories. He had a real hard accent from being over there, and he said, stories. I said, I don't understand. My country, children's stories. These were simply stories for children and see we sit here and even shake our head and many of us we've heard it so much we could quote them we can find them we can tell you about them but for the most part like many other things the more we tell it and the more we hear and the more we go through it and the more we try to explain to other people it actually in many cases just becomes a story to us and that's what he thought that's what he'd been taught all of his life this is these are just stories you can take it or leave it, but this is what we used to tell our children back in the old country, he would tell me. Many have heard it all your childhood life. Some of you grew up in church. You've heard these stories since you were a baby. Before you even went to church, your mom or dad or brother or sister was telling you about stories in the Bible. You've heard this so much to you, it has no real truth to it, if you would. You'd never say that. It really holds no reality to it. You know what it is to you? It's become a story. Just a story, a, the scary story that, okay, how about this? You know when you're in church and you're growing up in a fundamental Baptist church, which everybody should, and you, they start telling you about all the dangers and the scary things that can happen out there in the city. And you grew up thinking, yeah, okay, somebody's trying to scare us so that we'll behave, Right? You hear about all those scary stories. The warnings of all the stories growing up. You grew up in church and every time you turn around, the Sunday school teacher warned you. And the youth director warned you. 
And your mom and dad said, listen, they're telling you the truth. And the preacher would preach the stories and preach the Bible and you would listen and you listened so much and at first it may have had some impact, but the older you got and the more you heard it all of your entire life, now we said in church, as though it's just a story. It's more than a story. A lot more than just like I found out in my life. Even the very life of Jesus Christ to many Christians have become just that. It's just a story. It holds no meaning. It has no relevance. It doesn't really affect us anymore. Well, you could quote it like that. Well, you could find it in the Bible. You could find it in the gospel. Preacher, I know where that's located. And we know that and we can tell you the details, but it has no more reality impact on us because it really has, for many, many Christians, simply become another story. But I'm here to tell you it's more than a story. I'd like you to turn to the book of Luke, please. Luke chapter number 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter number 15. Here we have a story that many of you, if you go up in church, you've heard this hundreds and hundreds of times, this story. Different application, same story, but you heard it about the prodigal son. You've heard about this story, right? As soon as I mention that, you quit looking for it in your Bible. Oh, yeah, I know this one. I know that. Go ahead, say it. Story. I know that story. And you can pick out bits and pieces here. You could probably relate to other people. But for most of us, it, it carries no impact anymore. It doesn't really challenge us and change us anymore. Do you know why? We've heard it all of our life. It's one of the first stories I heard when I was saved at 20 years old. It wasn't long after that I heard the story of the prodigal son. And I've heard it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times coming at the same story from different angles to show different uh, perspectives and stuff. I've, I've heard that. But when I read it again, it's like it still talks to me, like it's still teaching me, like it still has relevance to me, like it still has things I need to pay attention to. But a lot of people, as soon as I said prodigal son, you looked up and quit turning your Bible. You know what? You know the, go ahead and say it, story. It has become a story. But look in verse number 11, would you please? And he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. And he divided unto them his living. He had an older brother and this younger one here. And verse number 13. Not many days after, after his dad gave them their inheritance, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, which is normally what you do when you disobey God. You've got to run away somewhere where maybe people don't know you. So here's what happened. See, see this. you say, oh, I didn't see that. When, the more you read the story, if it doesn't just become a story, it can still teach you and talk to you. Why? Because it's a true story. It's not just a story. So watch what happens here. To a far country, and there wasted his substance. Everything his father gave him, he just wasted it. And uh, with riotous living. Man, this, guy, this kid was partying every day he turned around. He'd go where he wants, do what he wants, be with who he wants. Man, nobody's going to stop him. And now I'm finally away from Father. I can live it up. All the warnings my dad gave me, look at me. I'm having a great time. That preacher, you know, he's always telling, be careful, watch out, sin around every corner. Oh, you know, and you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm having fun. I'm living with somebody. I got my own place. I got a car. I got a job. Man, the life is great. What I said then was just a story. It was just a story. But look down at verse number 15. He be, uh, verse 14. And when he had spent all, okay, now he's out of money. And he doesn't have a job. He was living on what his dad, his father gave him. 
and there arose a mighty famine. Wouldn't you know it? As soon as you run into a tough time, something like that has to happen. You notice how we write that off? Go like, well, yeah, I was doing fine till COVID hit. Right? I was doing fine until the factory shut down, until my job laid me off. Everything was great. Like it was some kind of an accident, an oversight. Because you wouldn't listen to the stories that God and your mom and the preacher and others have given you. So watch what he says here. In verse 15, and he, into verse 14, it was a mighty family. He began to be in want. He had some needs. And went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He had no business doing this. And he sent him into the field to feed swine, a Jewish young man feeding pigs. A true, honest Jew does not eat pig meat. Literally, it's against their religion. We say stuff like that. That's against my religion. It really is for them. Now watch what happens, verse 16. And he would fain, fain, he would gladly have filled his belly with... I'm looking at what the pigs are eating and I'm wondering how that really tastes now. I'm wondering if that would be all right for me. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Go ahead, say it. Story. And no man gave him. And when he came to himself, about time. Why aren't some of you finally coming to yourself? Every time you turn around, you're ending back up in a pig pen, so to speak. You're ending back up in a foreign country somewhere, so to speak. You're ending up away from father and what's right and everything he has. And every time you turn around, now you sit there and you come to yourself and go, what am I doing? Why does this keep happening to me? Why can't I? How come? You do that. And, and finally you come and say, man, I should have stayed in church. Yeah? By the way, if you're here for the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixteenth time, I'm glad you're here. By the way, he went back home, and he's glad. By the time this whole story ends up, he's glad. Okay, so we're reading this story, and, and this kid makes it back home, and his dad welcomes him back and gives him a ring, puts on a robe, shoes on his feet, and they begin to rejoice. This my son that was lost is found. He was dead, and now he's alive. Oh, I can't believe it. He began to rejoice, have a great time. That's a good story. Isn't that a good story? I like that story. That's a good story. It had a happy ending. That's a good story, right? You're watching way too much Disney. Not everything turns out that way. So we find out here with this prodigal son. As you get older, you've heard this story. Many of our kids that grew up out here and been in church all their life, they've heard this from a child's perspective and a teenager's perspective and a new saved person's perspective and now as an adult perspective. And you can actually teach other people story. See, it's become just a story. It's just a story in the Bible, right? Jonah and the well, that's a child's that's a story, right? It's a story for little children. Oh, no, 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 I beg to differ. When you first read that, you went like this. Wow. Can you believe what happened to that guy? Now it's just a story. I want you to go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 7. You see, there's a lot of things we're starting to look at as Christians. We're losing our influence because the Bible, though we say it's true, the reality of it is it's just a story. It's just a story. Proverbs chapter number 7. Proverbs chapter number 7. Once you drop down, well, look at verse number 1. This is a real eye-opening story. Every young man and woman ought to hear this. But I know, look, before we can get, oh, look up here, look up here. Here's what you're going to do. Yeah, that's a story, but that's not me. This is what you're going to say. 
I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to explain a few things. I'm going to explain. And, you, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to say, man, that's a great story, but what's that got to do with me? That's what I told my mom. I said, Mom, just because you ran into a hard time doesn't mean I'm going to. Isn't it amazing I found out what she said was true? The Bible is true. Watch what it says here, since you're already reading ahead of me anyway. Ready? My son, keep my words, lay up my commandments with thee. Now he's telling her, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. Keep my commandments and live in the law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them about thy fingers. Write them upon the tables of thy heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister. And call understanding. My, make them part of your family. Make them a part of you. Watch what he says. And that they, wisdom and understanding, may keep thee from the, oh, strange woman. In context, he's talking about a prostitute. By the way, a prostitute isn't just someone who does things for money. A prostitute is a woman who lays around with other people. You thought it was just somebody who dressed weird and, and, and wore uh, and, and charged money. In America, that's what we call it. But watch what happens here. Also, the strange woman here is, if it, could, it would apply to truth. Remember we talked to you earlier, buy the truth, sell it not. No matter what it costs, you get a hold of the truth. Make sure you get a hold of it. Don't you dare. Don't you trade it. Don't you sell it. Don't you give it away. Don't you downplay it. The truth shall make you free. So this strange woman here can also apply to strange truth. She'll take you away. I'm telling you, watch what happens here. Watch. For I look, I'm sorry, that they may keep thee from the flattering of her words. Ready? Verse 6. For at the window of my house, I look through the casement. Uh, you're looking through your tablet. You're looking through your um, desktop, whatever, computer, laptop, there you go. And you're looking at this like you're looking out a window. Isn't it amazing they call it windows? Huh, that's weird. See, you're not, you don't even catch on. <coughs> you go up in the middle of all this confusion and just accept it as being the way things is, are. Like internet. Everybody's on Here's what you're doing right now. Yeah. Well, you just wake up this morning for the first time in your life. On that computer, it has an apple with a bite out of it. Now, here, you're, look, you're sitting right huh, never thought about that. Where have you been plugged in? <coughs> the internet. <coughs> Watch. Watch here. I looked through the windows of my house, the windows of my casement, and I beheld among the simple ones. I discerned, so you wrote it off right now. You say, that's not me. I'm married. I discerned among the youth a, a young man void of understanding. Remember what we said? By the truth, wisdom, understanding. Not remember, 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 remember. Quit running around telling everybody what you don't know. Watch what he says. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Behold, like he's shocked. Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a heart. Do you know there are, ladies, look at me. There are certain clothing that reminds everybody that, take it for what it says, you're a harlot. The attire, the dressing like a harlot. By the way, you want to know who, back, in, back a long time ago, when I was growing up, they came out with what they called miniskirts. Do you know who actually came up with that idea? A whore. In Paris. 
then you blame people. What are you staring at? First of all, you dress like that. You didn't dress like that for nobody to not look at you. And then when they do, you blame everybody. Look up here, look up here, look up here. So now he plainly says, here he is. This woman comes out, dressed like a harlot, subtle in heart. Ready, ready, ready? These are the American women of today. She is loud and stubborn, and her feet abide not in her house. Man, I'm out. Don't you tell me. Pit bulls act like that. And they're not very attractive. Watch. So she caught him. Kissed him. And with an impudent face, that means a very hardened face. That's what the world and sin does to you. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me. And this day I paid my vow. I mean, everything's good. Therefore, come come I forth to me. I came looking for you diligently to seek thy faith. And I found you. Why do you think we're meeting like it? It must have been fate. It must have been luck. Look how it worked out. Who can say it's not right? Look what happened. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved, I mean, verse 16, works, and fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed. Notice how she keeps saying that. We're not after a good, wholesome relationship here. This woman's a whore. He said, you shouldn't say that. Then tell God he shouldn't put it in his Bible. That's what he said. Watch what helps. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. Let's, let's comfort ourselves with love. Let's excite ourselves. For the good man, now she's talking about her husband. The good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He had taken a bag of money with him. He said, he's on an appointment. He's not due back for another week. That's why he took so much money and so much bag. He ain't come back for a while. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. You think it's cute to flirt, don't you? Next time you think about that, thinking that's attractive, read this. You're setting out to destroy a young man or a man. This is not cute. It's not funny. This is reality. See, the thing is, you're looking at this like it's some kind of story. This is reality. Wait a minute. We're not, we're not done yet. Watch how stupid this young man is. Watch what happens. You listen to me. You listen to me well. He goeth at, I'm sorry, at verse 22. He goeth after her straightway as an ox to the slaughter. You dumb ox. Your life's going to get slaughtered. You think it's all about pleasure. She's leading you to the slaughterhouse. Wait a minute, I'm not done. Or as a fool to the correction stop. You know what that used to be? They used to take fools and people that just acted weird and did stupid stuff and injured the society. They had what they called stocks. And they'd put you out in the middle of everybody. And they'd put your head through these things and your hands through these things. Sometimes they'd put your feet through stocks and they'd lock them down and you were just there. And everybody knew you were the fool, that you were the clown idiot, that you were the person that caused the problem. And you just stay there. They could throw stuff at you. They could blind spit on you. They'd make fun of you. And you know who got you into that? You did. Never mind. It's, it's, it's a good story. Don't you find this a good story? It's just a story. It didn't have anything to do with you, right? 
That ain't anything to do with me. Wait a minute, hold on. Watch what happens, verse 23. Till a dart strike through his liver. Now, a long time ago, they used to think the liver was the, was the heart of a man. So they said, until somebody sticks you in the heart. Watch what happens. And as a bird hastened to the snare. Man, he's in a hurry to get captured. <laughs> he's out of control. And knoweth not it is for his life. Can I help you with something, guys or girls? There's a lot of things you might be able to lose in this life. Look up here, look up here, look up here. There's a lot of things you might be able to lose in life and regain. Purity is not one of them. When purity has gone, it's gone forever. You cannot get back purity. So all those people talking you into giving yourself physically, they just want you to be handled like they have. Once your purity is gone, you can't ever get that back. Saved or not, you cannot get that back. So watch what happens here. We're not done. Let not thine heart decline to her way. He's trying to instruct us, don't do this. I'm, I'm telling you what's going to happen. This is not just a story. I've seen, he said, look, I looked out my window. What is that guy doing over there? What is, that youth, what's he, simple? Watch what happens here. Go, uh, go not astray in her path, for she hath cut, cast down many wounded. Oh, she's wounded man after man after man after man. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Probably the most... recognized sin that has destroyed youth leaders, pastors, song directors, Samson, David, Adam, women. God did not give you what you have to use the way you want. You have more power than you realize to be used for God to be used for you and society. Watch what he says. She hath cast down many and slain, have been slain by her. Verse 27, her house is the way to hell. Now she can't put you in hell. Something about hell on earth. You've lost everything. Watch what he says. Watch it. Uh, going down to the chambers of death. You lost everything. You might as well be dead. She took your testimony. She took your virginity. She took your innocence. She took your money. She took your testimony. She took your friendships of other people. She took everything from you and then left you. No, you haven't ever heard this story before? You don't know the reality of this story that goes on out there? What do we have here in verse number 8 and 12? Hanging around wrong places. Look, when you hang around wrong, oh, my son, he's such a good boy. Why did this happen to him? Well, ma'am, let me see. He was at a nude bar in the parking lot, 3 o'clock in the morning, and got shot hanging around a bunch of thugs, and you can't understand what happened to your good boy. You know what? You won't believe the stories. Look at verse number 9. He stayed out way too late. Mom, where's your daughter? Where's your son at? Where are they at late at night? I'm not doing anything. I'm just walking around. Like going to the mall. You actually think people can't get in trouble in the mall? People die in the mall. What do you want to go to the mall for? They don't have any money. If they did, they got it out of your purse. Why, why are they going there? Ready? I don't have anything else to do. Find them some work. Find them some work. Boy, y'all getting real quiet now. 
this is what my mom told me. You're going to have to learn now these things. And verse number 9 and 10, attracted to the worldly, wicked, loud women. Fellas, can I help you out here? Any woman, teenager, woman, whoever, that pushes herself on you, drop her. Women are not to be the aggressor in a relationship. The world had taught them to do that. Do you know why they're after your innocence? Because they don't know what that is. They don't know what that is anymore. And all your friends told you, we have, and you did. And the stupid guy that fell for that, it's just a story. It's just a story. You're getting quiet just listening to a story, aren't you? It's just a story. In verse number 27, in verse number 22 through 27, the hurt, the hurt when the good in him has been taken away is to his death. The Bible says that a man that committeth adultery sinneth against his own soul. It's never going to leave you. It's not like you sinned against something. You sinned against yourself. It's yours to live with from now on. It's more than a story. You've seen it in your friends. She showed up to school, she's pregnant. That's not a story anymore. That's reality. Right? There you were, came out of the nurse's office, and they there you were crying, scared to death. You know what they said? You have HIV. You think you sure had fun getting it, didn't you? And you know what he did? He went to another girl. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm just telling stories right here. Don't worry about it. It's, it's more than a story. Sit up, sit up, sit up, sit up. Listen to me, please. You have to understand, the more we hear about something, the more it becomes just a story. But I'm telling you right now, it's more than a story. Like the life of Christ. I mean the most spectacular thing, the most spectacular person, the one of a kind, come to earth and everything that he did and to the world, to the in God we trust. In America, God be blessed. All of these things, it's becoming just a story. It really holds no relevance to us whatsoever anymore. We just go on with life like, oh yeah, yeah, it's all about God. Yeah, okay, okay. And we go on about our life. You know what's happened? The reality has become a story. It is a reality, but we're making it a story. You read your Bible, and it does not hold any real meaning to you. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I hope I remember that. Off you go. Yeah, I read this story about these guys got thrown in this furnace. Yeah, that's a cool story. Did it have anything to do with you? It's just a story. Many of us heard the story of Jesus. I didn't. Many of you did. B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book told me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, lame, 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 lame. It's like, Bible. My God is so mighty, so big and so strong. There's nothing my God can't do. These are things we teach little kids. But you forgot them, didn't you? Oh, no, preacher, I know he's mighty, but it's just become a story. 
It's only become a story to us. In Sunday school, you've learned about the life of Christ. We teach this stuff here. You learned about the life of Christ. You learned about the time, the true Christmas story. Look, I'm not against Santa Claus. You know why? Because he never exists. I can't be against him now. My wife's got him all over the house, so whatever you want to do. I mean, they're like all sizes. They're everywhere. You get Some people get so amped up about Santa Claus. You skip church. You don't tithe. You don't witness. You don't read your Bible. But bless God, you're worshiping the devil himself. I don't think so. Crucifixion. You know Jesus died on a cross. You know that, right? Do you know that story? At one time, you could listen to that and you would cry. Listen to me. It'd bring tears. You'd bow your head and go, why did he do that? How could he do that? I mean, it held real meaning to you. But the more you hear it, look, we'll have Lord's Supper tonight. It, for most people, it'll never bring a tear anymore. I don't care how much I describe it. It won't do it. You know why? It's become just a very familiar story. And it's losing its meaning. The resurrection. By the way, that's going to happen. Jesus rose from the dead and he said, because I did, you're going to also. There's going to be a day when graves will burst open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, preacher, that'll be. But to many, it's just become a story. It's nothing more. Well, I hope that's true. God said it. It's true. It's going to happen. We get so used to hearing stories of God's love. The Bible teaches the height and depth and breadth of God's love. Who can measure that? That is the thing that attracted me to Christ was his love for me and his forgiveness. And he knew everything I did and you still love me. That broke my heart. Now what's it do? Oh, yeah, God loves everybody. Not personal, anyway. Doesn't take on any real meaning anymore. How about what Jesus cares for you? Yeah, yeah. no, you're saying that because the Bible says it. But it doesn't carry real, any real meaning to us anymore. His chastisement, his word, he daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the lost world, they're out here breathing his air, walking upon his earth, cussing, drinking, taking drugs, whoring around, and yet God did not destroy them. God did not, why? The Bible said God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, look, get it through your thick head. God is not looking to destroy. We're forcing his hand. His understanding wants us to fellowship. Can you imagine that? God Almighty wants us, sinful human beings, we fail and sin and mess up constantly all the time, and he keeps doing this. Now, come to me and tell me all about it. Let's get this right, and let's go on with life now. Come on. And we run from him. You know that's what it says in the Bible, 1 John chapter number 1. We know about his faithfulness. We know what he says about how we should act and how we should obey, and how we should forgive, and how we should be faithful, and how we should not quit. And when we first start, listen to me, look up here. When we first start, again, I, I told you that revival I was in, my brother was preaching, and I meant it with all of my heart. I really did. I stood up, and I told everybody, I love the Lord with all of my heart, and I will never sin, and I will never quit on him. I meant what I said. I just didn't understand what I was saying. 
That doesn't mean it's okay to sin. It doesn't mean it's okay to ease up. I'm simply, that's part of the reality. You don't love each other when you get married because everything is going fine. How do you know how deep your love is? When things go wrong and you stay together and say, we're going to work this out and it's going to be great. We read about all these things. We quote the Bible. We can locate things in the Bible. We, we can find all this out. All those cool stories in the Bible, you know. We can find them. But that's all they've become to so many. So we sit in church, half dazed, keep looking at our watch. You're bored with the stories. They don't mean anything anymore. Now the preacher gets blamed. But the fact of the matter is, when you first got saved, you didn't act this way. I have to wake you up because you're waking other people up from their snoring. It's more than a story. This whole thing about Christ. Do answer me a question, several. Do men and women give their lives for a story? story people give us question do men and women lie on their deathbed and speak of going to a place that's just a story I have books in my library about the li- those the living and the dead you ought to hear before they drug people up as soon as you walk in the hospital people used to have dead death confessions deathbed confession about hell and heaven about what they saw and what they felt. But see, we don't hear that anymore because you go to the hospital, visit Granny, she's there slobbering on herself. Oh, no, she's not in any pain. Yeah, but I, I don't know. She's not saying anything. Well, right now she can't. No kidding. You got her on so much Darvacet and, 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 uh, and heroin and whatever else you're pouring in. Not heroin. Uh, morphine. Morphine. Well, it's like heroin. Whatever. You're laughing because you know about this stuff? I am shocked. It's more than a story. I have a question for you. Those of you growing up in this church and churches like this one, you mean your mom and dad do without, drive around in an older car, wear clothes until they're worn out so that you can go to a Christian school and grow up as clean as possible serving the Lord over a story that's made up. Do you really believe that? Do you believe they're doing this over a story? Do missionaries leave everything they've ever known? Do they go to a distant land and live in poverty and struggle just because they heard a story? Do Christians serving Christ go everywhere spreading the gospel, are made fun of. You don't fit in this world. Why don't you stay in your own church? They lie about you. They call the news media on you. Who The news media is not for anybody but themselves. Doesn't it shock you they go like that? Well, Pastor Bell, we just want you to know not everybody agrees with you. Here's what I'm going to tell them next time. I'm shocked. Everybody doesn't agree with me? What a stupid statement to make. You do know we found people that disagree with you. Really? Out of seven plus billion people, there are folks that don't agree with me? Wow. I'm shocked. They scorn verbal abuse, mockery, lawsuits, lying threats. You mean to tell me we put up with all this over a story? 
That's it? There, is there no more reality to your Christianity than that? Is this what it has become to you? Is this what's become to me? I go to church because I heard a, well, the story. Yeah, I know the story, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that story tonight. It's more than a story. It's reality and it's truth. If you as a Christian approach this work and this ministry and this church and this school and this service with the mindset that it's just what we do, it has become a story to you. That's all. That's just what we do. Ah, that's what we're supposed to do. It's just become a story. Where is the relationship with a real Savior? You didn't get saved by this church and you sure didn't get saved because of me. You got saved because of a real person and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's more than a story. I've heard it all before, preacher. Oh, what a great, go ahead and say it, story. If that's the way you approach church, that's all it'll ever be. When a preacher preaches, used to be when he's done preaching, it's supposed to be changing lives to challenge people to make decisions about things for God. No reality, no real meaning, nothing life-changing, just blah, 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 things you want to get done. Fewer and fewer people come to an altar. You see, the problem is Christians and people out in the world, we really, we don't sin. We, we make mistakes sometimes. We, we kind of mess up, but we don't sin. Huh. I remember a couple of scriptures in the Bible. It says, for all have sinned. There's none righteous. Why aren't we at the altar? Why aren't we getting things right with a real Savior who's in a real heaven with our real Father who is our advocate in heaven and wants us to stay close to him? You know why? We become numb. It's like the fella from Russia. We're growing up thinking stories, ch children's stories. His children. And he just smiled. He wasn't trying to be mean to me or lie to me. He was very, very serious. There, this book is not God's book. This book does not change life. This book is to entertain children when you run out of any other stories that you have. Pull one out of here and talk to your kids about it. It's just a story. So much of the time, the reason some continue to follow and serve Jesus, yet your friends and your family members no longer do, to them it is no more than a story. But to you it's much more than a story. you serve Jesus or come to church just because your family does? Are you here out of obligation? Oh, I told them I'd show up, so I'll show up. It's a story to them. Carry more meaning, don't you? Don't you understand the reality of this passage? What spiritual reality awakens you as you think I was at a Catholic funeral one time. Half the people there were Baptists, half of them were Catholics. And there was an aisle down the middle, not just to walk on, it separated. 
And the priest, I think I made a note of something. The priest got up and started talking and a little, little swinging incense, probably what he was smoking dope or something in this room down here. And he's doing all of this, and they all got up to ginger fleck and kneel down, and all the Baptists just sat there. He said, well, that's rude. Oh, what would you do, bow down to Baal? I was stood there, and I just kept staring at him, trying to understand what, what he thought he was doing. And then when they sang Amazing Grace, this whole side stood up, and they didn't know what to do. It was so odd. All of that is a made-up story. Every bit of it is a made-up story. But look what's happened to us. We're starting to act that way. Uh, it's, it's almost 12. We'll be standing up here in a minute. If we don't have a musical instrument, we don't even know what we're supposed to do now. Do, do I pray? I mean, do we stand up? What are we supposed to do? I think it's becoming no more than a story. Is all of this more or less just a story that you know? It's more than a story. Jesus dying for your sins, that's not just some story we made up. That really happened. And he really suffered to make that happen. That's not just a story. That is true. Jesus coming to take us home someday. It's called, we call it the rapture. That word's not in the Bible, but what it means is a snatching away. One day in the moment of twink of an eye. It'll happen so fast you won't have time to blink your eyes. If that took place right now, the way you leave this earth spiritually is the way you're going to meet him. I got saved and I just don't care. You're going to meet him. Somebody has convinced you we'll all just be perfect and be like Jesus. No, you'll be like you are when you leave this world. You won't even know it. Clear through the judgment of Jesus Christ. But he's coming back. When's the last time you thought about that? When's the last time you thought, ooh, oh, he could come back today. But you see, it's just a story. When I mention that, you go, oh, yeah, he's supposed to come back for us, right? What do you mean he's supposed to come back for us, Right. Armageddon is going to happen. All of this is heading that way in the Middle East. You can't, you can't. I've been saved now over 51 years. I'm over 71 years old. I have watched this thing evolve and change and keep, it keeps adding to and moving forward and adding to, but it happens like this at times and we get adjusted and we move forward and then we get adjusted and we move forward and we get adjusted. One of these days, it's not going to adjust anymore. It's coming to an end. Oh, it's happened before. I know. I know it has. There's going to be such a battle. Such a battle. What a story. I think I saw that movie. Yeah, Armageddon. Yeah, I saw that movie. Oh, man, that is so cool. Excuse me? It's like a story, huh? Now, I'll tell you something else the world is doing. It's holding in front of us movies and pictures to actually make us numb to the reality that it's nothing more than a movie or a story that I heard. So you hear a preacher and you just bat your eyes and, yeah, Armageddon, I get it. I saw it. Yeah, you're right. I got the location. It's just a story. 
judgments to face. I preached on that not long ago. There's judgments. Listen to me. Hey, listen. You can think about, listen. You can think about if you want to. All the excuses you've got. The reality, and this is not a story, saved or unsaved, everything you've ever done in this life is written in books. Not my book. I'm not God. I'm not your judge. I'm just a preacher, voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make his way straight. It's coming. How would you explain to him, I fall asleep while people are preaching about me? How would you explain to him, I have other important things to do during church time? How do you explain it? How, as you're looking at the person who died, in, it's not a story anymore. You're looking at him. How do we explain that? We're becoming numb. It's just a story. Death, <laughs> you keep hoping scientists and doctors will cause you to live forever. First of all, who in the world wants to do that on this planet? I talked to my son just yesterday. He said, Dad, you can live a long time. I said, Matt, knock it off. <laughs> who wants to do that? Dad, you, you, you can. Yeah, no, no. Matt, stop. I don't want to live that long. I'll live till God done me, but quit. Look, you're hoping that somehow they'll come up with that. They'll be able to freeze dry you and bring you back in a microwave later on. Yeah, that's what you're hoping for. You watch all this sci-fi garbage. And you keep hoping that you'll never have to meet Jesus. You'll never have to die. The Bible said it is appointed unto man once to die. You're going to die. Young lady, you're going to die. Old lady, you're going to die. Young man, you're going to die. We're all going to die. You got it? That's not the end. After that, the judgment. Not a story. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. If there is any one thing you can absolutely hold as being reality, whatever you've got made up in your noggin, I wouldn't swear to that. It's more than a story. My salvation is more than a story. Him giving his life to me, more than a story. It's an it's a, it's a unbelievable story, but it's no story. It's a reality. Question. When you come to church, is it becoming just out of habit? Is this what we do? Ah, eh, you're supposed to. That's eh, what we do because we're supposed to. When you sing these songs, some of you stand up like, why do we even have to do that? What is wrong? What's, what's becoming ridiculous? Maybe I miss my guess. Maybe at one, what one time was reality and meant something, had relevance to us and changed our lives. We've heard so much now, it's just a story. I suggest what you do is go back to the one who gave you your life and apologize. And then determine, I'm going to make this right. 
Oh, magnify the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You can't make God bigger than what he is, but your perception of God, you make it big as you want. So your God is a God that, it doesn't matter if you sleep on Sunday, I'm okay with that. Is that what you're, what's he like, a grandfather that doesn't care about the grandkids anymore? What are we doing? We're playing church. Oh, I'm sorry. We know the stories. And that's all they are anymore to most of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Dear Lord, oftentimes when my kids were growing up, all right, everybody sit down. I want to talk to you. Sometimes this has to be that way. It can't all be parties and cakes and movies and let's go out and run. And sometimes you have to say, okay, now stop. Everybody be quiet. We have to learn something here. And dad has to set the record straight and tell everybody how things are going to be. God, I pray, please. The end for the church is coming. It's coming. This opportunity that we have, when we read about people in foreign countries dodging bullets and meeting in old burnout and, and battered buildings just to pray together, and yet we come here and fall asleep and we don't invite anybody and we don't give and we don't witness for you and, and we know all of this is right, but it's just a story anymore, I fear. God, help us, please. We are your kids. If we're saved, we, we belong to you. How can anybody belong to you and not tell somebody about you? God, help us, please. As she plays, we stand in the building. Everybody's standing. Come on, I'll wait on you. Come on. Come on. Come on, unload that burden. What do you think this altar's for? Decoration? You haven't been living that good and you know it. Doubts, fears, sinning, running around. What have you been watching? What have you been listening to? Oh, preacher, I, I don't want you to know. I don't want to know it. But you know it and God knows it. Why aren't you at an altar saying, God, I'm sorry. I want to live for you. I want this to be a reality. I want to make this something real in my life. And God, I'm coming to you to make sure that that happens. Oh, you think you're just going to change your mind, it's going to happen. You don't know much about the world, the flesh, and the devil, do you? My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. All the follies of sin I resign. You saved? If the rapture took place right now, you can't fake this. You cannot fake this. See, your name, when you get saved, written down in a book in heaven. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name's not there. You're going to hell. You're not going there to argue your point. You're not going to some goofy judge down here, some shyster lawyer that you paid for. Ain't going to happen. Everything in those books is exactly what happened. It's a reckoning day, a judgment day. So God says right now, come on to me. Come on, let's do it now. Let's do it now. Let's get this thing right. You judge yourselves and save yourself from judgment. Come on. Thank you very much. You can be seated. We have several baptisms this morning. We're very, very happy about that. Is it warm in here or cold? I, I can't tell. Okay, I should never ask, okay. 
you that are on the outside and cold, you need to start sitting in the middle. You're in the middle that's hot, you need to sit on the outside. That's not compromising. That's the same thing Solomon did with the sword and that baby. You remember that story? Two women fighting over a baby because one of them died. So while her baby was dead, she went over and grabbed this other lady's baby and said, that's my baby. She said, no, it's not. It's my baby. She said, no, it's not. So they went before Solomon. And Solomon listened to both sides. One woman explained what happened. And the other woman said, that's not what happened at all. That is my baby. He didn't know what to do. So he said, somebody bring me a sword. Sword? He said, yeah, cut the baby in half and give both of them half the baby. Do you know what a real mom's going to do? Yeah, that's what's right. No, that's not what she's going to do. No, 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 don't do that. Guess what Solomon said? That's the real mama. That's the real mama right there. So I guess that means he's not for abortion either. If you don't start making this the reality God intended, it will become just a story and nobody gives themselves for something that's just a story.
day you got baptized? If you're saved and not baptized, you can't remember that day. I got baptized. I remember walking out of the baptistry and down the steps, fell right on my knees and started crying and saying, thank you, Lord, and thank you, saints. Things are not supposed to, well, I'm not going to go there. Everything in the Christian life is to have an impact in your life, to change you and turn you more towards God, to become more like God. So I'm glad, very glad for these two people. Glad for our buses. I guess they touched base with them. You folks right there, glad that you're here this morning also. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, tonight, 6.30, let's stop, uh, come back and do this again. God wants to talk to you. Folks, if you want God to talk to you, I don't mean audibly. I mean through his word. He will. But he will not force himself on you. you got to want him to. So come expecting, come wanting, come listening and see what God has to talk to you about. Okay? Make sure you shake hands with these ladies. Glad that they're with us this morning. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed. Thank you for being with us this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, continue to work in our lives. May we yield to that. Thank you for the dear folks in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.